This week we read The Adventure of the Three Gables. So you don't have to. <laughs> the game is afoot, all my buddies. Welcome back to the final Podblum, the only Sherlock Holmes reread podcast that future generations will doubt Nick and I even produced, but only this specific episode. I, for my part, am old CW, the man with no nickname, and joining me, as always, is the third and lost Cohen brother, Nicholas. How you doing? Pretty good. Um, you have many nicknames, so I don't know why you said that, but... <laughs> I do. Well, that was like a man with no name pun. Oh, like gotcha. The, okay. Yeah. Good Clint right. Eastwood thing. Yeah. I just rewatched the first 20 minutes of the first one of those. It's still really good. <laughs> Not real good to do homework to, though, because you got to watch it. Because it's so moody. Yeah. Yeah. This well, this week. <laughs> yeah. Go, go, go on, buddy. Special thanks. It. Special uh, thanks and shout out. And uh, so we know firmly who the blame can sit on is right. uh, to Paul Thomas Miller to recommending this story to us uh, that we should tackle it. Yeah. But that was kind of a joke because I'm really glad that he... Uh, convinced us to do this originally you'll we were see just... our revenge when you least expect it yes we um <laughs> no cases <laughs> we... <laughs> <laughs> are revenge. I, I don't i don't take uh, responsibility for that i'm pretty um... sure i can make revenge for both of us nicholas i run the <laughs> twitter account <laughs> oh boy um so yes we originally planned on skipping this story for two reasons one because it is extremely racist as we will discuss mm-hmm. in depth uh because we have to um, and should, uh, and two, because it's actually for that reason excluded from a lot of, uh, editions of the canon. And you said you actually had like, like a hard Casey's. time finding it because yeah. Yeah. Originally. I mean, all of, all of the issues of the strand with Holmes stories, um, are still online and findable in PDF form. So you can see their titles and not their titles, their covers and all their batshit painted <laughs> glory. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I sent you a picture of the, the cover of this one and it is, it is something to, to behold. But yeah, it's um it is rightfully excluded from a lot of of uh Doyle collections and uh, mm. I wish I could exclude it from my brain, but here we are. Yeah. Nicholas, why don't you um why don't you give us the rundown and then we can uh get to dissecting this frog while it lies pinned and squirming on our table. Okay. So we um uh yeah, we this story is about uh twelve pages long, it's quite short, and it's one of the strange stories that just doesn't really make a lot of sense mechanically even as just as a plot so the rundown here is that a dude and a crimes dame had a fling he wrote a book about it then died she was mad about this uh his mother receives it with his effects and then the dame tries to buy the house with all of the contents inside in order to secure the book uh, and then eventually resorts to burgling and destroys the book, and then Holmes essentially lets her get away with it. And this is all presented completely backwards. Of course, Holmes has to yeah. find his way from this person's being intimidated. They're trying to a mystery buyer is attempting to buy this woman's house and everything inside it, mm-hmm. uh, which is which should always raise red flags. And eventually <laughs> finds it all the way back. But it just it really doesn't make sense mechanically. And the the objection to this story uh, comes from two characters, one much more so than the other. Mm-hmm. Um, a a gentleman, I can't even think of a nice way to say this, um, a black <laughs> gentleman who yeah. is portrayed as about as negatively as you can imagine. Um, yeah. And I was shocked 
yeah. that the language used to describe this man and the language put in this man's mouth uh, came from the same man who would describe Watson as the one fixed point in a changing world. It is mm-hmm. uh, it is truly baffling. Yeah. And as we'll talk about in a minute, there there are many doubts that Doyle even wrote this story, although I don't think anything definitive has come to light. Um, also... The crimes woman in question uh, is Spanish, as in from España, mm-hmm. and she is portrayed none too kindly. Although part of that, admittedly, is just the kind of built-in misogyny of the era. Yeah, but um, I think it's less racial in her case and more just like, oh, she's a woman and she's a powerful woman, and so she's up to things. Can't have that. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. yeah, it's uh, the. So Steve Dixie is the name of the black character. He's. Um, described as i think from the wikipedia as a boxer and a ruffian he there see there are other boxer characters doyle it, it, for side characters like this he's kind of just like a grunt for someone else he's yeah. working you got you see a lot of characters who are he's um, like sam merton yeah, yeah yeah they're they're under he's exactly like sam merton there he's under the play of, employ of someone else he's not very smart he's mostly just there to be muscle and that's f- totally fine um and but just the fact that he's also black and that a lot of the like uh the description of him as not being very smart and just being like just huge hulking kind of uh ridiculous looking character is his speech patterns are yeah. the worst worst kind of uh, racist garbage yeah they're a very caricature racist stere- racial yeah. stereotype like literary racial stereotype of black people like not actually how they talked but how they Correct. talked in literature written by white people and stage plays performed by white people and people in blackface and whatnot um because that is a thing that happened a lot and uh there were black people in london at the time who had various jobs they were usually lower class there of course uh because a lot of them were recently freed slaves or descended from freed slaves uh slavery was abolished in england in 1833 this story takes place in 1926 so there's been quite a bit of time uh since that but still right. mo- the majority of black people in england i believe were lower class poor people a lot of like famous black beggars in uh england history there were uh, there's a few stories of people um who did uh start out extremely lower class who made their way up to the top and mm-hmm. uh ended up having like success stories but again those are uh those are stand out, few and far uh, between. Few and far between. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I mean, y- you know, here it is in the United States, 150 years after, after abolition. Right. And like black people are still dying from COVID-19 at, at, at an exponential rate, yeah. uh, compared to white people because they are systematically and intentionally denied economic and medical privileges. Yeah. Um, so exactly. like it's, it's, it's still going on. Um, mm-hmm. and so I can't imagine that at a shorter remove in England, where, where in fairness, the institution of slavery had been in place for much longer. Like here in America, we had it for what, less than a hundred years. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And over there, I can't, I can't imagine what the sentiment was. Is like, no, we've been doing this since before most other countries existed, and now suddenly we don't have this anymore. So mm-hmm. I have to imagine that the, well, also, I mean, what England did immediately afterward was like, oh yeah, well then I'm just gonna go steal India. So. <laughs> yeah. Basically. Yeah. They were like, well, I can't have that, so I'll just take this other thing. Um, right. yeah, it's, it's just, it's real bad. Yeah, it, it is definitely the worst part about this story. Uh, just nonsensical, ridiculous plot aside. Um, a lot of the, and then, the, the, 
go around this character, uh, because of him, there's a lot of debate as to whether, I think there was one guy in specific, like a, some kind of Sherlockian scholar who, um, I can't remember, his, what, what's his name? The guy who published the paper. He was so convinced that, uh, this story was so out of character. He's just like, well, you know what? Doyle did, he couldn't have written this story. It's impossible. Uh, like, I believe it was, uh, Mr. Mr. Donkus, I believe. <laughs> uh, I think it's, Dinkin. uh, so, oh, uh, oh, I got her, I got her, I wrote down, uh, Martin Dakin. Dinkelberg. Dinkelberg. So he he wrote a paper saying, you know, this this particular story, The Three Gables, I don't think Doyle even wrote this story uh, because of this X, Y, and the other thing. And he has – I wrote a list of reasons that he gave for it. And then I also read a response to um, the paper that he published saying, I don't think Doyle wrote it, uh, against it, saying like, no, Doyle probably did write it. And here's why. Yes, we read the same thing. Awesome. Yeah, um, we did. Yeah. That guy's a piece of shit. So, yeah, he, the, well, the first, well, there was problems all around. Of course. Yeah. I, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter whether Doyle wrote this story or not. Um, but th- I will I go mean, over the reasons that people gave one way or another. Um, I mean, I mean, it, it, it does and it doesn't depending on which level of the problem we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's yeah. true. Um, but what were you so, saying? Go on. Some Okay, so some of the arguments for Doyle, and I thought that was really interesting, and the reason why I wanted to focus on that is because in my edition of um, the Complete Sherlock Holmes Volume 2, mm-hmm. there's a lot more footnotes than there usually are in this story, and yeah. over half of them <laughs> are calling into question the authorship of Doyle. Like, there's a lot of just, like, they're just infused with doubt. Like You've um, got an omnibus with an agenda. Yeah, right. The first note, uh, the very first note in the story is after Holmes, uh, addresses, uh, Steve Dixie as, by his first name as Steve, instead of Mr. Dixie or Dixie. Um, mm-hmm. he said, it says, it, yeah, it says this first name address is very unHolmesian, raising deep suspicions about the authorship of this story. And then there's yeah. another, yeah, there's another note later on. Uh, where Holmes makes a snide comment to the maid, Susan, and it says this snide comment to a social inferior is behavior inconceivable for a gentleman. And that, like, is with historical context, as well as, like, knowing the that social standing up. of Holmes. And I actually quite agree, I actually kind of agree with that point because you never really see Doyle talk down to, or I mean, uh, Holmes anyway. talk down to anybody. No, even Holmes, like, is a, Holmes is a man of the people. Yeah, he kind of operates even like, he he usually gives people the benefit of the doubt if he thinks that he can get information out of them, and he'll like right. act extra nice to people who he will, you know, wouldn't expect him to act very nice to him uh, to them in order to like get information or just as right. it it gives him cred, you know. And that's another thing is that aside the fact that Doyle, um, as as Paul Thomas Miller pointed out, between his uh, barrage of fake lies that took us all hook line and sinker. Um, <laughs> I'm not even sure that's his name. Uh, <laughs> as he pointed out, like Doyle for his time had a fairly good track record re-progressivism. Yeah. Not perfect by any stretch, but like yeah. he tried. Yeah. Um, and b- b- besides this story being wildly out of character for him, Holmes's behavior, as pointed out, is why, like, I mean, I know the last story's yeah. fun good times was predicated on Holmes is acting really un-Holmes-like in this one, but that mm-hmm. was in a chaotic pinball way, and this yeah. isn't, he seems like a different character. Right. Um, and also there's and the fact in, that, that la- the last story was originally adapted from a stage play, and this one was just published a as a story, so that added some yeah. weirdness to it. Well, and even that maid you were talking about, I remember she has like three lines and Doyle 
he usually has his, like, even his lower class, like his merchant people and his, uh, you know, just commoners and pe- peasants mm-hmm. isn't the word, but I think commoners is probably it. Like, they speak yeah. like humans, like just yeah. like regular people, because yeah. as far as he's concerned, they were regular people. But, like, like a person from California probably wouldn't write a book and then have a surfer dude, like, they wouldn't phonetically <laughs> type out, Shaw brought, like, this would just right, help right. people talk to them. Yeah. And, like, this made does talk like the worst Dick Van Dyke, like, <laughs> cockney parody. Yeah. She's like one of these, I don't fancy a shag for a point, governor. Like, it's real <laughs> yeah. bad. It's yeah. real bad. And even before I knew anything about, like, the doubt of of authorship, I'm like, that doesn't seem like a character in it's, one of these stories. It's a little bit jarring. And I mean, even, even for Doyle, I want to emphasize that because he... He, he does certain out of character things for Holmes, usually. Like, every now and then there'll be, like, a line right. or something, or, but it's never really Holmes to this is extent. Holmes inherently flexible. Yeah, he's, he, Holmes serves whatever purpose that he needs to for the story. But this is totally Correct. just like, this is like a personality thing. Holmes is just straight up being a dick. Kind of for he no really reason is. given. Like, regardless of who he's talking to and regardless of their status, which is extremely unusual. Because- He's being he, a smug, he's being a smug MAGA hat. Is and what it, he is. Right. And the other thing too is that even when you do see Holmes be addicted to people, he always has a reason first. And, Correct. And on top they of that. always have it coming. He's not just gonna be like making just like very low jabs at people's like appearance and stuff like that. It's usually jabs at their intelligence or like kind of compliment, backhanded compliments that you have to like read a couple times to get that it was an insult exactly. in the first place. And they're in this, based on something. They're not just, yeah, well. Yeah. Your skin's a color, but yeah, like, yeah, that's like, not. Uh, well, yeah, exactly. Um, so, and you get a lot of that in the story, which is very strange and it is true out of character problems. So the, the reasons I have written for, um, the Hit defense me. of why, uh, they, uh, um, the fair dinkum. Yeah. Why he's defending Doyle as the author is that, uh, he, so this is someone refuting Dinkelberg. Yeah. All right. So yeah, the, the refutation of Doyle not being the author, uh, a lot, Ooh. the, here's the, um, some of the reasons given for that, that Doyle, this is the guy saying, no, Doyle, Doyle was the author of this story. Um, some of them are kind of dumb, so bear with me. Doyle was ill at the time. At the time he was writing the story, historically. (laughs) That's not a good start. His health was declining, and so he might have just not been at his best. Another one is that, this is a little more reasonable, that he was done with Holmes. He really didn't want to write any more Holmes stories. He was kind of just jotting off nonsense to shut shut people up about it. Like, here's a really shitty Holmes story. Please stop asking me to write Holmes stories. I'm done with this character. Um, There's, and the third one I have is that it is an accurate portrayal of how things were at the time. So the racial, Mm. you know, the, the, uh, the treatment of this character, but I, I don't, that I don't think that really works because it's not that he's described he's being described by other characters in the story. He's being described badly right. by the narration itself. So yeah. whoever wrote this story was not thinking about, you know It's, how it's true. He would integrate the character's race into the description. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, we see him through the eye of God. Like there's no it's it's right. not what the other characters are saying. And the yeah, and the the example given for this, uh, the accurate portrayal is the, there's, um, uh, Holmes says a lot of mean things about this character, but none of that them we're are not going to dignify by yeah, repeating. That we're not going to repeat, but, uh, there's later toward the end of the story, a policeman refers to the character with the N word and it's the policeman using that word, not Holmes. And right. the argument is that police are never really very forward with 
their regard to race. And so this is historically accurate. And it's true. They are, policemen have always, you know, had a bias towards people of color in, especially in England. So that's, that's true. You know, historically, that would be a word that, uh, someone, it it, it would happen. It could, it could absolutely happen. It did happen. Here in human America, a bunch of white armed militia assholes just stormed the Michigan house of representatives, I want to say. And have been, yeah. had been like holding it hostage with guns screaming at the cops. And the cops are just standing there in a line passively blocking them from whatever it is they're trying to do. I think they're trying to like abduct or oust the governor or whoever's there. Um, yeah. and like you hear that story and you hear that none of them are dead yet. And you're like, Oh, you know what color they are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that, that argument kind of, it kind of makes sense to me, but it also kind of doesn't. Yeah. I have, I have two problems. The mm. first problem is that it's, it's, it's with the idea that Doyle was ill at the time. Like, you know how it is. You're not sleeping well. You're congested. You get a little racist. We've all been there. <laughs> <Right>. but, <laughs> yeah. No. It's... Uh, the second thing is that with the accurate portrayal assertion, like the porch, the way this man speaks, besides being a horrible caricature of every worst stereotype that white people thought about, his mm-hmm. speech pattern is distinctly like American minstrel show, right? Yeah, like, yeah, he's it got is. Like a fucking, he's got like a fucking Mississippi accent spelled out in there, which yeah. makes no sense, <laughs> right? Because like even he's supposed even to be British. Established, yeah, he's yeah. not coming. They don't say he comes from America, do they? No, I don't think so. No. No. Yeah, no, yeah. it makes zero fucking sense. And, mm-hmm. like, Americans are obsessed with black people who have British accents. You know it's true, America. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know it triggers some little wire thing in your brain, and you don't know how to feel about it, but you're very interested in it. You know it, just <laughs> accept it. It's fine. Yeah. But, like, it's it's probably not fine. But, like, if yeah. if this was supposed to sound like he – there's there's no other way – to code the kind of person that we are supposed to understand this man to be, except mm-hmm. by using that American awful um, language. And I, right. I, I, I think that really leverages against the realistic portrayal because I do not believe for a moment that an unaccompanied, like, black man from America, from you know, being the kind of man he is portrayed to be, would just be wandering around England being like, yeah, I'll find some crime to do. Like, that's, yeah. I don't, I, uh-uh. Yeah. Because, like, it's not like, it's not like black people in America were like, yay, I'm free. I have my full rights as a citizen now. That's not happening no. today. <laughs> so, like, it's not like, yeah. I'm free to travel yeah. the world now. No. Yeah, no, there's, there was absolutely, like, legally, all of the, uh, all the black people were free, were free if they were slaves, but socially right, right, they right, had right. basically the exact same standing as they had before. Right, right. Um, socially, uh, try it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then some of the arguments for Doyle not being the author, uh, are, uh, Holmes being very out of character, making cheap jabs at people, and just being generally rude when Unpleasant. he, yeah wouldn't have been before and unpleasant um the fact that the story makes no sense <laughs> and that it's just yeah. very kind of pieced together and uh very yeah but i i think that's more of just i i really think that if i i kind of i kind of i i honestly don't know where i stand on whether i think doyle wrote this or not but mm-hmm. i'm the the arguments are good for both and one of the good arguments is that like this is not a good, particularly good argument because Doyle has written other stories that did not make sense um that did not story. have racial characters of it uh and the other one yeah which is uh Holmes regard to Holmes being rude uh Holmes's treatment of social inferiors is very unusual um and yeah. different from how we see 
people treated before. There's another one that I'm not gonna like, that is, this is tough because it's a very strong point, but it's also slight spoiler for a story we haven't covered yet. But there's Meh, a, there's a story earlier in the canon. Uh, I think it was published in 1890 something. So before this story was published, which is 26, um, the story published earlier, uh, is called The Yellow Face and. Right. Oh boy. No, not what mm. you think. Not what you think it's going to be about. Uh, it's really, it's, it's not it's, Fu Manchu. It, okay. It's not, um, <laughs> It's it's like a, it's, it's like a mask. The like like a wax okay. it's in the it's like a wax mask or something but um the story called the yellow face which that story uh takes is is about an interracial relationship between a white woman and a black man and it treats it mm-hmm. sympathetically and positively like a good thing and like the whole hmm. the whole plot of the story and the whole you know reveal and everything is meant to be like oh wow like this is it's treated really well and very extremely progressive for the time which again that story was written and the weird thing is that story was written way before this story and published beforehand and then this story comes out later and it's like that absolutely makes no sense to me and if anything that would be the point that would convince me doyle didn't write this story because who like nobody starts out like racist and then becomes i mean yeah. not racist and then becomes racist it's usually like you start out racist because everyone who's white is racist and then you become gradually more progressive in your thinking and aware yeah and aware it's and not the other way around regression yeah no. yeah there aren't so, a lot of people who are like i was a bernie bro until i took the red pill and now I, like <laughs> it's just yeah you don't you don't you don't frequently i mean it happens it has to happen obviously right, sure. to prove the rule but, but again like, yeah, doyle doesn't seem like the kind of person who would who it would take that hardest yeah. swing to the right now right well and and even then it sounds like the portrayal in that story is essential to the story he's a meaningful character with agency and yeah. with you know there's there's a point to it essentially and more than being a story that doesn't make sense more than being a character that doesn't make sense in the story this character truly and literally has nothing to do with anything. He's not involved no. in the mechanics. Like he's, I mean, he's like, I'm here to do crimes, and and that's it. He doesn't function within the machinery of the story. He's just like a dumb sticker that he's, got put on the side. He's, he's just kind of like a picture of like intimidation, kind of. Exactly. Like he's just there to yeah. be like, this guy's intimidating Holmes. He's a boxer. He's tough. He's big. You know, he's scary. Right. You should be scared of him. But Holmes isn't because he's Holmes, and like it makes sense. I suppose as a device, but just I, scary I really, black man is a trope. Yeah, no, absolutely, and I think that if anything was just I, I don't think that I'm definitely not excusing the portrayal. I'm not like, well, it's historically accurate, but I think nope. if if Doyle did write this story, which again, I have no idea if he did or not. I, right. I I'm not going to take a stance just because there's so many convincing arguments either way. But if Doyle did write this story, I think. The reason why this character exists is Doyle just trying to make a stereotypical goon, like boxer man, and he just happened right. to he happened to make the character black for whatever reason, and it just came off awfully. There was like no th- thought about it. he was white, and he did not think kind of kind of deal. Okay, so you th- you think this is the worst possible articulation of of yeah. misaimed misaimed white good intention? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of tropes that people don't realize are tropes until they write a character in that trope and they're if they're like right. writing a lot and they 
they know a lot of tropes from other things right. that they read and do not Oops, actually I hate ex- a have not yeah. actually experienced it in real life. Uh, you'll just take what you know, which is often going to be a stereotype and a lot of just like really right. not true and bad things. And I think that is probably uh, this is probably the result of that of Doyle just like yeah. taking a stereotype mm-hmm. and slapping it on a character and, and exaggerating it, exaggerating it uh, really thoughtlessly. It's just and, the the yeah. The ling- the linguistic thing is yeah. just a, a it's a sticking point I can't get past because that is that is a clearly American and like there's a lot of interesting discourse about how like the southern accent is just the British accent slowed down which mm-hmm. isn't something I buy into entirely but it's an idea yeah but I I I don't know and I I will not have a stance either on yeah. on whether or not Doyle actually wrote this first of all because I didn't do anything like the amount of research you've done but second of all I think the question has become too the the question has become embedded in the controversy and I don't know that there's a way to view it clearly if you know if you get what I'm saying yeah 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 well, and also we we should say we should have said this at the beginning. Uh, we're a couple of ignorant ass white dudes. Like we're trying yeah. our best, honestly. <laughs> yeah, we're, we we try really hard. And like there's there's a like there's a performative and competitive uh, wokeness in right. the circles that we travel in. And we're not we're not virtue signaling. We're not trying to show off how good and great we are. Like we're yeah, generally absolutely just not trying to be better. Trying to do any of that. We're probably well-meaningfully gonna say some wrong or wrong-headed shit at some point for which we apologize. Uh, call us out on it. We'll try to do better. It's all we can do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's, yeah, it is. There's definitely, like, as someone, I definitely grew up reading a lot of, uh, like classic literature and a lot of British literature. And of course, um, only recently have they started bringing, like, hey, we should rethink who the classics, who we're going to consider classics, because all of it right, right. now is white men. All of it. Yeah. And so you look at the classics and it's just a bunch, of, like there's no variation. And it's like, yeah, like there's a lot of good books in, in the literary canon, whatever you consider yeah. that to be. And, but it's just, it's so heavily biased to the point where like someone who is young, who's starting out to read literature and is like, I want to read all the classics. Those are the kinds of books you're going to get. So from the very beginning, and also the, and also we really need to like, once again, I think emphasize the fact that we both went to a private Christian high school. So white education, right. From the get go was just utterly like biased. We just did not learn any of this stuff. Um, which is like, again, horrible. But I need to like, we need to really point it out because like you can't know what you don't know and the first step to like not yeah not being unintentionally racist or bad in any way is that you have to know what you're not aware of and you have to recognize the massive gaps in your education and not just private high schools not just christian high schools like a lot of just history in general is extremely biased um so and it's well yeah i mean you're talking about you know what's the can you know if you if you ask people like when was science fiction invented what was the first science fiction novel people will point to uh jules verne they'll point to hg wells mary shelley frankenstein well exactly yeah Yeah. exactly that's that's probably arguably the best example in the in the western literature tradition but like and those aren't wrong answers, but, like, you know what's got them shits beat by, like, 800 years? <laughs> a Japanese fairy tale called The Bamboo Cutter and, like, The Moon Princess, I think it is. Right. And it's like, so if you if you look anywhere but this tiny little circle on Europe that's like, this is where culture and literature come from. Like, mm-hmm. there are, and admittedly, uh, part of it is that, 
literacy has been restricted and controlled uh, in most of the world for a lot of history. Oh yeah. Um, and and even where even where it isn't like oral societies passing down their stories and similar in what we tend to think of as less developed or less advanced cultures mm-hmm. um like yeah, you're not going to read a great, you know, South African epic that's 3000 years old because it's been handed down orally and it's not fucking written down anywhere. Yeah. That doesn't mean only white dudes are writing good shit. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. And I mean and there, there's examples of this in any kind of minority. Uh, like, for example, any, anything. yeah, I mean, I, uh, shortly after coming out, I'm like, you know, there's gotta be some kind of, uh, like, how, how much gay, li- do you know how hard it is to find gay literature anywhere? <laughs> I can't begin to section imagine. at our library is like, there's like two, there's like ten books and only like, one and a half of them are like, deal with transness in any way. And it's like, that's, and that, and that, a result of that is that people think that being trans is some kind of recent invention. And right. trans people have no. always existed from the beginning of time. It's just yep. a lot of them were only accepted in cultures that were not white cultures, or they just had to live very secretly because society was so, you know, like, right. anti. Um, and it's, it, 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 it never will get addressed or fixed unless people, you know, acknowledge that that history because, right. Otherwise, it just seems like you don't have a history and you're just springing out of nowhere, which is false. But you have nothing to prove otherwise. <laughs> it's a cycle that feeds into itself. Yeah, like exactly. If you, if you look at it and they say, well, they're, you know, well, where are they if all these if all these kinds of people are real? And it's like, well, they were there. You just didn't hear about them. Well, why didn't I hear about them if they were there? Like, it's a, it really is, <laughs> like, it really is a, a really convenient cyclical argument for people who don't want to think about it. Exactly. Um, it's like... Yeah, it's like, well, God exists because the Bible says so, and the Bible's true because yeah. God says so. If so, exactly, facto, what up? exactly. Yeah, when Checkmate in reality, atheists. like people were people were writing books, people were writing journals. There were there were tons of. I mean, like even a very small example of this was uh, with like Anne Frank. There was like some line about her having a crush on a girl, and nobody ever heard about that oh, yeah. because they conveniently censored it and then just published the rest of it. Oh yeah, oh and they censored like, the hell out of that. Yeah, oh, there was yeah. a ton of sexual content in there. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's just like the. You can't, you know, there, there's no way to just, like, once the person who wrote the thing dies, yeah, anything can happen to, you know, it's up to whoever finds their work, to, whether they yep. can publish it or not. And even who sometimes probably people... probably going to be white. Right. People, and even sometimes people who do want to publish things, publishers are just like, no, we don't want to do that. We don't, that's, you know, it's, yeah. there's just so many levels of just suppression and it's so frustrating to learn and try to, like... Because you, you realize that, like, you're missing out on all these different parts of history and that it's there and you're like, oh, well, like, I'm yeah. aware of it now. I want to go find it. Like, this is interesting. I want to know about black people in England. I want to know about, like, historical trans people and all this stuff. But, like, you just can't find anything because you it was can't. all either destroyed or just it will not be published. And it's like you it, – it, people are finding it and putting it on, like, individual blog posts and stuff like that. And it's just – until it hits the mainstream, it's just, like – it, yeah, it's really frustrating. Um, but I was actually just thinking of that that blog post that talked about how uh, like nobody fucking talks about this, but when the colonization of the North American continent started, like Japan sent dudes over here. There were samurai walking around the California coast 
mm-hmm. like the fucking 1600s or whatever. Yeah. And like, and Mexico City had uh, a Chinatown in, in some, I, I don't know. And so they're, <laughs> they're talking about how it was perfectly, it was perfectly historically feasible for a cowboy, a samurai, and I, I think it was specifically a black cowboy because there were definitely mm-hmm. black cowboys, yeah. um, you know, to, to be walking along. And none of that shit uh, gets talked about because it's all the Indians taught the Plymouth men to grow corn. Smiley face, right? And that's <laughs> all you're gonna learn. And that's it. And now they're all gone somehow for some reason. So they're not. We don't. They're, they're not. No. <laughs> like, they. Something happened. We're looking into it. Yeah, we're looking into it. Definitely wasn't a massacre. Really? We know that. Um. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, I guess, I guess my only like response to that is just try to find alternate histories that don't feature white people and they are yep. out there people are writing and publishing them you know uh find books recommend them uh there's there's so much interesting history to like to dig up there um and if you are more like fiction oriented like me i don't read a lot of like i i usually i usually stick to fiction i do read nonfiction occasionally but it's more like mm-hmm space science related stuff because that's what i'm into yeah. but um, stuff that actually happens generally sucks <laughs> yeah exactly and, like and you've seen you've seen again, the world we're in right it's like, very de- <laughs> it's very depressing to read a lot of the historical accounts because it's like okay like like as a um i don't, I don't want to say like an oppressed person but like as a not as minority. a less privileged per as a minor as a minority in some way it's kind of depressing to just like live that and then also read more about it it's like i know, I know people are shitty i get it like, i don't need to learn yeah um but there is a really great book that i read in college that i want to like hard recommend right now it. it's called the Mar- it's it. called the marrow of tradition um it was published in 1901 uh by charles chestnut that's c-h-e-s-n-u-t-t and i'm gonna pull oh, up the real quick not chest yes nut. Okay. and uh it's uh it's a historical or it's a fictional account of a real historical event which is the Wilmington insurrection of 1898 in North Carolina. And so this book is set in the south in America. It's not in, it's not set in England, but it's an extremely um interesting Unlike book. Like all the good uh, things. Right. <laughs> and uh it's well I I should say like the things I grew up reading a lot of, but um I have read a lot of um, American stuff too. I'm not like I've only read British stuff, but Right. Again, that's you've like read what, both of the when, kinds of things now. Good job. When when you look for the classics, that's just what they give you. They're like, it's, here, here's all true. this British stuff. Um, yeah. and even then, like Jules Verne, like obviously French, we yeah. know this, <laughs> but even that has kind of an Americanized, doesn't it? Because there's like, yeah. there's mach- machines and underwater mm-hmm. and go adventure. I, I don't and, know, and like so many leagues. And a ton of Jules Verne's character, main characters too. There, there are a lot of the kind of people who are like, I'm, I'm an individual man and I'm going to go out and do this thing by myself. And everyone thinks I'm crazy, right. but I'm going to go do it. And that's a very yeah. like American kind of mindset. But, um, yeah, so, uh, it's, uh, it's a really good book. It's got a pretty balanced cast of black and white characters and the author was black. So you actually get a decent, you know, um, perspective on, on events and it's really interesting to read the i haven't read it very recently but i probably will reread it now that it's um come back into my into my memory uh but yeah it, it's quite good uh i would check it out it's also extremely short so um it's a quick read as well but i remember reading it in school and really liking it because it was one of the first books i was like recommended to read where it's like this book is 
very historically important, but it's also fiction. So, because uh, I had to read it for a literature class, but it, it's great. So I would recommend that. It's called The Marrow of Tradition, and we'll put it in the in the show notes. The but uh, just as kind of like a tradition. palate cleanser, I suppose. <laughs> um, sure. And I also want to put uh, the... Uh, I don't want to roll for the next story. I, wa- I do want to read The Yellow Face for the next one. Just as okay. like, it's it, it seems like a good book to contrast with good this bookend. story yeah yeah a, good, yeah a good story to contrast with this one as like it was so the, no, the black characters were treated different. so yeah, yeah. different um but yeah you know so. what i'm gonna i'm gonna re-recommend i think I, i'm certain i've talked about it before but uh trevor noah's autobiography born a crime mm-hmm. because it it talks about privilege in some really interesting ways because the the american privilege discussion like you know when you have an argument you've had before and the, the the grooves are worn smooth and there's no wiggle room left and you can tell, like, nothing new is going to get accomplished in this. Yeah. Like, the two people who are arguing are going to say the same things they always say back and forth and it's just going to settle out. So, mm-hmm. like, the his South African experience with privilege, uh, you know, where apartheid, where legally enforced racism was de rigueur until I think like 91 or some shit, um, mm. is a real, is a real eye opener regarding privilege. And again, I've said this before, you and I going to Desert Christian in Lancaster, United States, we literally were not taught about apartheid. We no. didn't know it was a thing. Not at all. And yeah. he, he talks about privilege interacting with race in ways that we don't really have an analog for because Americans only see color. They don't understand what race and ethnicity are. If you, if you have an American and you put a Samoan, a Nigerian, a Sierra Leonean and like a Fijian in front of them, the American is going to see four black guys. And that is not how that works for, for most of the world. So like Trevor Noah, he grew up, um, the uh the ethnicity the the ethnic groups escape me and i'm certain i would massacre their pronunciations anyway (laughs) but like he traveled in certain circles enough that he picked up a language between between the groups so like he's very light-skinned as you've probably seen and he'd be walking along and he'd hear some dudes behind him who were from this other ethnic group or other tribe um talking about like hey let's rob this white dude up there because as far as they're concerned he's a white dude and he switches into their language (laughs) <laughs> and says, oh, nah, dudes, let's, let's find some other guy or saying, what white dude, where? I'll join in. And <laughs> the, the privilege of yeah. language and, and what that coding means. Um, and his experience with race, both in America, uh, and in South Africa during apartheid are, uh, fantastic. It is, as you can imagine, a very funny book because it's written by a very funny man. It is also, uh, horrifying and heartbreaking as most stories about race are. Mm-hmm. So. We'll check those out, and we will. We'll read the um, we'll read the yellow face next. Yes. Um, what was your next point? You, I thought you had. Well, you were leading to something, or are you out of stuff? Um, that was it. I'm kind of out of stuff. I don't want to go. I, I I honestly don't want. I want to make this episode like a decent length for sure. But I I really don't right. want to comment too much Belabor about it. it, just because yeah. I don't. I really haven't like. I, I, we're both white. I don't want to be saying any more. What than are we going to say? Absolutely, like, yeah, I exactly. really don't have too much to add to so, this. Yeah. So I have only two more things and they're both, they're both kind of setting the first half of this aside. So that is done. Mm-hmm. But I, I do have a question. How does the Jeremy Brett version handle this? Um, you know what? I don't remember. Uh, I think this is one of the, 
again, it was a very much later story, so it was also adapted right. much later in the series. And around the first two series of that show uh, were very good, but towards the end, I think, I can't even remember, was it like the third series or not? But they start to get like really, um, they start to go really downhill because the budget started getting less mm. and also Jeremy Red's health was severely declining. So some of the episodes had to really rearrange plot just because they couldn't get that much footage of him because he was really sick. Charlie Sheeny. And sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah kind of. So, um, I think this was one of the later stories that was like, uh, the story was really short, so they had to like fill it out. I think I remember, um, they do focus on the character of Langdale Pike a little bit more. Where in this, he really only gets like a paragraph of description and he right. seems really interesting. Um, he's kind of like, I don't know why they really needed to make another Charles Augustus Milverton type blackmailer character, but right. he's not so much a blackmailer as just like his job is just he writes for like the trash papers. Like he writes the right. gossip articles and Holmes helps him do that. Yeah. I guess. And he Which, makes again, like four figures doing that. Yeah. So. And, and like at that point, alone is just strange because like what that's I, you know what i i actually kind of get it that that relationship could work with, oh i can see that working yeah, as a, absolutely. yeah because like he just gives this guy pretty useless it's useless information to Holmes, but then in return he gets extremely useful information about all these various crimes people and so that was kind of interesting i think in the jeremy brett adaptation they focus a little more on that guy um right and how Holmes works with him but it's kind of just it, it's about I, yeah, I really don't remember. I, I might try to look it up. Uh, That's fair. but yeah, the later episodes are a little harder to, I, I only bought the first couple ones because it just kind of makes me sad to watch the older ones because Jeremy Brad's That's just fair. so I, sick. I totally get that. Um, so yeah, I don't really recall, but I, okay. I don't think it's, I hope, I should hope they toned down the, the race. I mean, they were, one they were, they were produced in the hope. 80s, 90s. I think by that time okay. they, I'd be interested though, if anyone, has watched that episode recently and remembers it. Yeah, let us know. Sound off. Yeah. My second point was whenever you bring up issues of representation, um, Mm. how people are represented in things, who are the people that get represented in things, you'll always have people saying, it's just a story. It doesn't matter. We all know black people aren't actually like that or or whatever. Representation Mm. doesn't matter. Just let me enjoy what I enjoy. And... I want to talk about the logical extension and conclusion of that idea. So it is uh, May the 1st, 2020, and my fellow travelers in the online Dungeons & Dragons discourse are, they doubtlessly saw this coming a mile away. They know exactly (laughs) what I'm teeing up to. I'm really ready for it. Dungeons & Dragons community is once again devouring itself over... Uh, an ancient tradition. So, Nicholas, you're familiar with the works of John Ronald Royal Tolkien and yes. how they can be and are uh, racially insensitive when when yeah. looked at through almost any light. Yeah. So the orcs, who are dark-skinned and brutish and bestial and uh, duped and commanded by a man named Saruman the White... And Mm -hmm. uh, their bestial natures are stoked by him, they're manipulated, and they are only capable of being evil and horrible and bestial. That's that's all they've got. They're they're animals on two legs. Violence, So, violence. Um, Gang cannibalism as well. Um, Which, for a long time, historically, was like an ultimate taboo that kind of doesn't resonate today. Like, yeah, sure, whatever, they eat people, what's, I don't, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but... um, 
So that portrayal, because Dungeons & Dragons was heavily influenced by Lord of the Rings to the point where the Tolkien estate actually sued. That's why halflings <laughs> were a separate thing. It, yeah? Yeah, it's, it's, a whole, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. All right. Um, so when orcs were ported over the 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 orc porting incident um they were uh, portrayed in in much in much the same way the problem is dungeons and dragons fans don't like change um they think everything they grew up with was perfect just like anyone in any any media circle it doesn't matter everybody thinks what they right, had right. was best and fine and there was nothing wrong with it ever untouchable so um, you can now, in the fifth edition of Dungeons and Dragons, you can play an orc or a half orc or whatever, and that bullshit is still in there, and it is so hard coded into the D and DNA oh, no. that the conversation because the the problem is that Tolkien specifically and intentionally and admittedly he discussed this. He admitted this out loud that the orcs were based on Mongols and other like savage, uncivilized peoples of the steppe. Uh, right. And so, as we all know, that gets coded, especially in American literature and well, gaming, whatever. Like orcs are coded specifically as being black or uh, Native American. Sometimes mm. they have real animalistic bestial. They do a lot of stuff with like bone and hide. They have uh, features that are. I don't need to tell you folks what what caricatures of black people look like. You've seen it. You know what's up. Yeah. Um, as opposed to uh, races like the elven and the half-elves who are very uh, slender-featured and refined, and they are always the centers of learning and whatnot. Yeah. And more than just this, like, dichotomy of that's how it's portrayed, like, they are canonically in the description, in the 5th edition Player's Handbook, which was released in 2016, uh, I think. So this Ooh. decade, five years ago, <laughs> it says that, like, orcs are inherently bloodthirsty and savage that they can be at best domesticated and put to some good use and it's really important to look at what that is saying about the kinds of people on whom these creatures are explicitly based mm -hmm. because yeah. it's not enough to look at um gentlemen like the one in this story whose name escapes me and say yes Obviously, that is a racism. Obviously, racisms are bad. We all agree yeah. that obvious racism is bad because, yeah. one, it's correct to do so, and two, you get cookie points for saying so. You get to look like a good person for saying, hey, that's a racism, and I think that's bad. You recognize racism. Good job. Gold star. It's pretty great. Finally, something works in the favor of white people. Bare minimum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's really important to examine stuff that's two or three levels down. Nicholas, you're a fan, like myself. Of the Star Trek. Yes. 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 Can you name for me, and I, this is a live question, you might be able to, can yeah. you name for me a single mixed race character in Star Trek, by which I mean mixed species character in yeah, Star Trek, sure. that benefits from being mixed race instead of having it be a detriment and problem in their life? <sighs> um, let me see. I, I I think the only character I could possibly come up with is uh Deanna Troy. Mm -hmm. But I think but she's also like she doesn't look like an alien at all. It's not really a big right. part of her character in any way. It's just right. 
And and again, she's also a female character, so it's just kind of like an extra. So cool she's thing. barely a person anyway, right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> a potted plant, a yeah. potted plant in a in a spandex suit. Yes, but her her Betazoid heritage causes her more trouble than than benefit. Yeah. Um. And and you can say, well, look, you know, um, Zial Dukat. She's, you know, the child of two warring peoples. Of course, her life is going to be hard. And there are there are justifications and there are in-world explanations that hold up. But you have to look at what that implies about what the writers think about mixed-race marriage. Yeah. Because there are benefits to being mixed-race. You grow up with two cultures, learning two languages. If you really win the lottery, you get Christmas <laughs> and Hanukkah. Oh, that's yeah. great. <laughs> but, um... Oh, it was man. pretty nice. It was pretty nice. Exactly. <laughs> In Star Trek, it's, in Star Trek, it's generally presented, when you have a mixed species slash race character, um, it's generally kind of presented as like, this is something that is, that you're struggling with and that you have to like overcome in a way. Correct. It's, it's almost always like, like, oh, I'm, I'm a child of two worlds. I'm constantly torn between, I mean, even beginning with Spock, who was the first character like that. It's always an issue for him. Right. It's never like, oh, like, did you guys know that I'm actually half human like you, but I'm also half Vulcan, which is this really cool race. It's always Correct. like, he's constantly having to be like, no, I have to be 100% Vulcan. I have to conform to all of the stereotypes of my people yep. and everything. And it's just, and it's a huge struggle for him and an issue. And just like the, the whole crux of like his, his character development is just, his yes. whole arc is just built around that. And it's interesting to watch, but it's like that, that's all you really get. It's never exactly. It's never an exclusively positive thing. Correct. Yeah. He's too human for the Vulcans, and he's too Vulcan for the humans. And right. there is there is no such thing as just being. He doesn't even get a name. He's always called half human or or mm-hmm. half Vulcan. Going back to the orc thing real quick, because I only yeah. am Lord of the Rings. I don't D and D at all. But um, do you think that the reason why so many people are eager to excuse that the orcs could be a racist which is should be indisputable because like i i watched the tolkien or i watched the uh, lord of the rings movies before i read the books because they were coming out when i was a little too young to read the books um sure. so my first exposure to orcs was like i always thought they were more like animals than people or yeah, like monsters to be. uh yeah. i never really saw them as like another race they were just kind of like it's like oh they were built from the mud and all this stuff and it's like okay this is fantasy right. they're like dragons or something you know yeah and, and that's never... symbolic yeah. made from the mud yeah <laughs> and so that was my impression so i think so i can see why people would be like oh no it's not racist because they're not even people but like that itself is <laughs> yep <laughs> it's there you like, go okay yeah no i you got it. there yeah i got yep. there <laughs> And yeah. the reason this has become a thing is because uh, D&D has become, uh, despite the very best efforts of every basement-dwelling neckbeard out there, it has become a bastion for women, people of color, um, people of all uh, gender and sexual identities and orientations, um, because it's wonderful. But the problem is that straight, white, male gamers... Um, are catered to officially by the game almost exclusively. Everything is aimed at them. Everything is aimed yeah. at maximizing their experience. And okay. so they inherently fight back against this. And the argument is always, it's just a story. It doesn't matter. It can be whatever you want it to be. Which would hold water if 
these weren't also the same people who threw a fucking hissy fit over one tiny paragraph in the beginning of the player's handbook for 5th edition that says, oh, also, uh, your character can be any sexual identity or gender orientation or anything. Uh, that's your choice to make, and you get to play your character how you think it should be played. Have fun. Mm-hmm. The response yeah. was caustic online. They said, you can't make when that was canon. That? You can- oh, this was, well, that came out uh, in what have been 2016. Was that, was that 2015? But, um, 16? 2015 or 16, but Starfinder, um, which is another, another big, it's, it's a Dungeons and Dragons. You can think of it as a Dungeons and Dragons without worrying too much. Mm -hmm. But like, that specifically canonically encoded that, that like, gender and sexual identity are completely up to the character. From the official creators. From the official people. And yeah. Here are some trans characters that you can put in your what's it. Here are yeah. some characters that play with like, how does sexuality work if you replace 30% of your body with robot shit? What's that about? <laughs> and the, yeah. uh, the fucking white fanboys out there were super mad and threatening people. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you this. The experience that really sums it up, I was in a Dungeons and Dragons group, uh, not like a playing group, but like a Facebook group where we just posted memes and talked about it. Mm-hmm. And for, you're familiar with the concept of a mimic. It's a monster that can look like other shit. Like a chest. Like a chest, exactly. Like, exactly. It opens its mouth and yeah. got delicious jewels inside that you want to grab like a boo. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> this group. Exactly this group, like a boo. <laughs> 100%. Um. This group spent a solid month of real-world time, five weeks, making memes about how many ways you could have sex with a mimic. Because just think about it. Just All think right. about the possibilities. It, it, it's it's the Odo argument, for sure. <laughs> it is the Odo argument. Um, and, like, gamers are puerile and and dumb, and um, specifically the ones that, that congregate in Facebook groups tend not to be, you know, uh, wo- progressive <laughs> or, or forward-thinking people. But, like, they do that, and, like, that's fine. I'm not participating in that discourse, whatever. It's, it's, it's only a game. Why you have to be mad? <laughs> exactly. And then one person made a comment about their character who was uh who was trans in game and the immediate overwhelming response was yo this isn't for your weird sex shit this is supposed to be about D&D after this is a supposed solid to be about month D&D. of yeah heroes <laughs> yeah and yeah. i posted this in the group i said this group spends a month talking about fucking mimics one person hey here's about my trans necromancer necrotranser and the group loses its fucking mind. And the response to that post was so overwhelming to my post, they had to lock the comments. That has never happened to me before. <laughs> I had no idea I was so controversial. <laughs> I know. The response to that, the official response was, we don't have the server space to deal with what you just did, so we're oh shutting it down. <laughs> That's, so if yeah. anyone ever tells you that representation doesn't matter... If anyone ever tells you that what stories say about uh, the world around you and the people who live there with them, just remember that, like... A lot of people, especially people who read a lot and people who, like me, or people who are really into a specific thing, D&D, a lot, mm-hmm. they're going to be doing that a lot, and a lot of their experience of the world is going to be through that. And yeah. You know, they might not meet you. You might not be able to meet in your lifetime. You might have a small, you know, sphere of right. influence, and you might not meet someone from every different race and every different ethnicity. And so, the only yeah. experience you have of that is fictionalized accounts and characters and books that you read who fit a certain thing. 
or um, that might be your your first exposure to like meeting a trans person might not be an actual in real life trans person who comes out to you. Right. It might be a character in like a Percy Jackson book that you read who's like, oh, this character is trans. Well, they're cool. I like them, you know, and that might be all you get uh, for the moment. And it's like you want that first you want that exposure to be positive. So you want to just you don't want to put a bunch of bad representation and a bunch of nonsense because that might be the only thing people are getting. And then that's, that's the only frame of reference you have. If the only frame of reference you have for another race or type of person is a complete stereotype, that's no good. You know, (laughs) that's, that's worse than bad, (laughs) you know, um, it's worse than none. It's totally true. Really? It is worse than none. Yeah. And, and at the same time, if you have an existing franchise that you like that has issues, you can't just be like, oh, well, it, they, people were just racist back oh, then. Oh, well, too bad. Let's, let's just ignore it. I just want to like my thing. Like, you can, you can still like it and just, but you have yeah. to discuss that. You have to realize that, like, you have, you have to. to acknowledge that something's wrong because otherwise it's easy to just excuse it. And then you kind of just don't, yeah, you, you don't acknowledge that it's wrong. And yeah. Liking a thing and caring about a thing not only gives you the prerogative to criticize it, it gives you the responsibility. Yeah. You should you should actively be criticizing and analyzing and deciding what it is about these things, what that says about you, and what these things say about you. Because these are the things you're putting into your heart and into your head. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. Alan Moore yeah. said in, um, in From Hell that the one place the gods inarguably exist is in the minds of men. So mm-hmm. if you spend hundreds of hours playing Dungeons and Dragons, and you're like, yeah, orcs, they're all just horrible pig people. And then you know in your head, factually, that they are based on real humans and designed to designed to put forth this very specific idea. Then, mm-hmm. like, those things are real in your head. They are living yeah. there, and they are influencing the way you think, the way you speak, and the way you act toward your fellow humans. Um, I think a lot of people have a mindset, uh, like a mentality, where if they like something... They don't want to hear people talk any shit about it because they want other people right. to like that thing. It's natural if you really like something. Right. If you're like, damn, Lord of the Rings changed my life. You know, I love that book. It's awesome. Right. I want everyone to read it because I want them to experience it's, it's, it comes from a pure place. You know, I, right. I loved this book. It, it made, I feel like it made me a better person in one way or another. Um, and like maybe with like the themes of friendship or anything, there's a lot of great stuff in Lord of the Rings to like and that's good. And you want other people to like it. So obviously you're not going to be like, Oh, by the way, there's this whole race of people that are like an original caricature. But at the same time, like you, so like you want to sell it. You don't want to hear people talk shit about it. But I think the only thing is you just need to be open to people. If if something is wrong with something you like and someone tries to call it out, Mm -hmm. they're not attacking you. They're trying it's to just, a reflection on you. It's not a reflection on you. If you if you like something and you find out something in that thing is bad, just just acknowledge it and you can still right. like it. It's not gonna like it's not gonna it doesn't have to ruin the whole thing for you. You don't have to like rethink your entire identity because you found out there was a racist story in the Sherlock Holmes scan. Like it was written in the eighteen hundreds. Like you've gotta like <laughs> it's, it should not be a surprise. Um but yeah, it's just you should be willing to, and and the thing that really gets me about the whole D and D thing that you just that you just illustrated is that it it was one it was one thing it was one update and the whole time they were like this is something you can do if you want you don't have Optional. to yep, yep. you don't have to do any of this like the whole point of creating a character is that it's yours and you can do whatever you want with right. it not like we're not forcing you to do this 
<laughs> and honestly, that's the real boil down because the point of D&D has always been that you can do and make whatever. I guarantee you, people, I don't I don't have to guarantee you. It is an obvious truth that people were making trans characters, people were making gay characters and whatever because yeah. it's your own thing. You make whatever, nobody fucking cares. Right. And they only got mad when they made it official because they think no, no, this is I'm taking this back. They, I want this what? to continue. Something being, not targeted this, exactly to exactly, me and tailored this exactly is, to my identity for you. <laughs> yeah and so taking that back is is not just a knee-jerk reaction it is an active exertion of the idea that what i want is more important than you getting to be seen as a human and mm. it's the exact same thing with all the fucking karens out there who <laughs> are uh, who are breaking quarantine because they need their nails done or their hair done. It's not about their freedom. Nobody's freedoms are being impinged. It's yeah. about they want access to other people's labor. They mm -hmm. want people to be forced to go to their menial jobs and do their nails or do their hair or whatever. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying it's an intentional mindset. I'm no. just saying that when you have been born into 98% of the space on the fucking board and mm -hmm. one other person gets 1%, it feels like, well, where's, where's my new percent? Why yeah. don't I get a new percent? <laughs> if you, if you're going to Starbucks and you already don't see the barista as a person, you just see them as a machine that makes your coffee, of course you're going to want all the Starbucks to reopen so you can get your coffee because you're not thinking about the, you're not thinking about the worker's health. You're just thinking, I want you're my not. coffee. And it's like, I, it, it, like we are all people we are all the we are all on the same level some people just have immensely more space for one reason or another and in fairness <laughs> nicholas i have heard you describe your dream as being a robot that is capable of making coffee within itself sometimes i do want to be a robot but only because my human body is so shitty and broken <laughs> there's such bullshit dude if i were an android i wouldn't have to worry about any of this crap i would never get a headache it, fucking it'd thing. be ideal but yeah um gotta alas. put gotta put enough food into it but not too much <laughs> God, whatever oh uh, right. man yeah, I think that's that's probably about as good a note as any. Uh, so yeah. go ahead and read the yellow face uh, yes. next time. And honestly, um, if you want to read uh, the three gables and just see what we, if you have not read this story yet and you want to yeah. see what we're talking about, uh, absolutely read it. Like, go ahead. It's uh, it. we we've warned you. We've told you that there's some really yeah. nasty depictions in here. There's a lot of racist shit, but like. I, you know, there, there's the, there's technically the rest of a story in there too. It doesn't make a lot I of mean, sense, but, and again, as if you're like a completionist and you like, no, I want to read every single story. Uh, like, it. absolutely. It, we, we, the whole point of this, of doing this episode in the first place, uh, is that we, was it because we got bullied into it. We were tricked into it by a <laughs> slick talking Britain. That, and also we agreed mutually that, um, deciding that we didn't have a point of view so we're just not going to talk about it uh right. is much less important than like addressing it and actually like, it you just just address it like if something's wrong yeah. it's much better always to discuss it and point it out and analyze why it's right. wrong and realize you know why things are a certain way than to just ignore it and ignore it and pretend like Correct. racism is solved now like because you know it's all connected and there's it really it's, is it is really important yeah Accepting and understanding the bad is just as important. It's necessary to appreciate the good. Right. And like, and that's another reason that we're not saying, 
this story needs to be expunged. The story needs to burn, be burned. Yeah. You need to pretend this story. Doyle didn't even write it. Probably forget it. No, it's exactly. Fine. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Because it we be, because if if that happens, then the conversation becomes, oh well, there's never been any negative portrayal. Like it's important right. to remember why these things uh, are important. It's important yeah. to make your orc societies fully fleshed out. <laughs> And yeah. interesting, and not just Native American stereotypes or or black stereotypes or whatever. Um, there's also a strong association of orcs with pigs, which is odd. Yeah, that's weird. Uh, but yeah, that's that's also why I was um, uh, I, I I really I really started to get really interested in like, well, whoa, did Doyle write the story or not? Like, is there a whole story that you know a mystery got into the canon somehow that Doyle didn't write? Like, what's that about? Obviously, I was interested, but I honestly got 10 minutes into it, and I'm just like, you know what? It really doesn't matter if he wrote it or not, because it exists. It and whether Doyle wrote it or not, the story was written, and there were people writing like this. That Like, just because you don't see a lot of racism overtly against black people in the Sherlock Holmes stories doesn't mean every other publication didn't have uh-huh. it, you know? So, I mean, yeah. it... it yeah, it's so it, it really doesn't matter. Uh, that's what I meant by saying like it doesn't matter if Doyle wrote the story or not. I don't care. Right. But it it's it's still something that I, needs I don't to, have a standpoint. Whether it's actually canon or not, yeah. It's telling it's telling that we had the story and then we had uh Dinkelberg who refuted <laughs> that Doyle wrote it at all. And then you and I found independently, because this is the kind of thing that comes up when you try to research this issue, yeah. you and I both found that website with the red background whose name escapes me at the moment. Mm-hmm. And that guy went to incredible pains. That guy performed <laughs> yoga trying to yeah. explain <laughs> why Holmes making fun of a black man's uh, facial features wasn't racist it was actually just this and the three times he said he smelled bad well that was just this thing and then finally like six points down he gets to the end where that that cop uh does use the n-word and mm-hmm. his answer for that is yeah i don't have one for this one that's pretty racist yeah, right. <laughs> yeah dude dude you wrote a, at that point you should just deleted the whole rest of your essay and just not published it <laughs> look at what that says anyway yeah, yeah. um and and that I I really think that is like that was a pure example of someone reading that story and being like no not no racism in a thing I like <laughs> not know? my Doyle there's no, no way absolutely not impossible introspection not for me thank you <laughs> yeah but um, and yeah. we're not trying to make anybody feel bad that's another thing is when you try to <laughs> when you try to show people their privilege uh, like at my work. Um, I speak to a lot of Hispanic people because I live in Arizona and that's how that works. There's a population center. Mm -hmm. Um, many, it it is, it is a thing in, uh, Hispanic and Latino culture to have multiple last names for very good historical and linguistic reasons. Um, Rodrigo Lopez, uh, of, of Critical Hit actually did a really interesting, uh, Twitter thread about why and what that is. I'm gonna re, I'm gonna retweet it because it's fascinating. But like, Mm -hmm. the system we use, the system that we use for the entire United States uh, does not allow for multiple last names. Or at the very least, like, you can put multiple last names in the last name box, but, like, there's no way to articulate this is the primary last name and this is the secondary one because they all have different meanings and, like, there's there's a way that shit is supposed to be articulated. So it ends and up being kind of like a you gotta pick one <laughs> exactly. type of situation, Either which you- is impossible. <laughs> 
Yeah. Either you run them all together, either you're Aguirre, Herrera, Lopez, Montoya, and it's all just one big fucking word, or yeah. you're just Lopez. And then Casey can't fucking find you, because when you call up, you give Casey your real name, and he's like, of course I'm gonna look for your real name. Oh no, some dumb dumb put you in the wrong way, as I find 20 minutes later, after you're already frustrated with me for perfectly <laughs> legitimate reasons. My point is, that system is clearly built for white people who typically yeah. have one last name. So that's that's what privilege looks like. Privilege privilege doesn't mean your life isn't hard. It just means that some things about your life, like the color of your skin or the way your name works, weren't making it any harder. And it does <laughs> for a lot of people. So we're not trying to yeah. make anybody feel bad. Just like just like look at the things that hurt other people, man. <laughs> like pay attention. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I'm all riled up, Nicholas. It's yeah, this story was a lot. I um I definitely realized later on as an adult once I got out of high school how much like just the sheer it really just hits you like a tidal wave every time you realize just the extent of just stories and narratives and whole groups of people that you just never heard about that I just yep. went 20 years without knowing anything about or like the smallest possible like s- summarized spark notes version of um yes. And it's just like, it's, it's very frustrating and sad, but I think a lot of people are starting to realize that a lot of white people are starting to realize yeah. that like, Hey, there's a ton of stuff. I just don't know. Um, yeah. because the history books, I was, us. the whole history books, the history books I was taught from were hiding things from me and editing things. <laughs> um, and it's Secret very, it, it's like, there's, <laughs> there's whole, you know, there's whole histories that you just never learn about. And it's, it's just like, just, just first of all, realize it just number one, step one, realize it, realize that yeah. there are things that are wrong and there are things that you might not be aware of. And secondly, just step back and let people tell you people who are of that yeah. thing. Don't just go. Well, I mean, yeah, you can do your own research, of course, but like right. fact check it with someone who actually knows what they're talking right. about because they have experience and, uh, and it's, it's really use- not that hard. <laughs> And use what privilege you are possessed of to try and be of some good. Like we're oh, yeah. two white guys who we're two white dudes who don't know what the hell we're talking about for the most part, but <laughs> we have a larger audience. And I'm not saying like if two black dudes started or you know, two two black dames, if two black ladies started a <laughs> Sherlock Holmes podcast, I'm not saying it wouldn't be a fantastic success. I'm just saying there is a built in system designed to support you and right. I specifically doing specifically yeah. this. So it it does behoove us, it is incumbent upon us to try and use this position to at least get people to just step the fuck back, realize it's not about you, and listen to people who say that they are being hurt by something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just get just swallow unless, your ego for a second. Unless they're just mad that they can't go get their pumpkin spice lattes and manicures and similar. <laughs> don't listen to them. They don't deserve it. Yeah. They uh, already want to speak to your manager. How much more angry are they going to get? Honestly. <laughs> what could they possibly do to you? Um uh, yeah, I I'm so really yes. glad we read this story honestly. Like it, it was it was painful to read, absolutely. Like I was cringing the entire rough. time. It hurt. I, I woke my wife up a couple times. I completely I just went, forgot. Holy shit! The very first time the guy opened his mouth, I was like, "Fuck what?" And Donna's right? like, I'm "Sleep, I'm sleep. Be outraged yeah. tomorrow." 
Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's it's very hard to read, but definitely, I, I'm glad we decided to go over it because this this is a yeah, super important conversation. We've we've mentioned stuff like this a couple times in the podcast, and every time I'm glad that we talk about it. It's and it's me something too. we will keep talking about because yep. we we have privilege and we we have some privileges and we don't have others and uh like sometime acknowledging it is all you can really do but um yeah that's true yeah and nobody's nobody's asking anybody to fix the world by themselves just like acknowledge man so yeah. there do, do the best you down can joint. with what yeah. you <laughs> yeah do the best you can with what you have and who you are and where you are and what you and had for lunch always always listen to people if you are not sure about anything always listen to people who are that identity <laughs> first Correct. first thing you, sh- you should not talk to someone who knows a gay person you should talk to a gay person you know <laughs> just talk to a gay person just because gay people are hilarious yeah they're <laughs> awesome i guarantee you do it all the time whether you know it or not but like if you're worried about talking to that person and them feeling like oh great here comes another white person asking me questions i'm your default like you're i'm your guru i'm your i'm your black google I, I guarantee you they probably think that, but still, like, get past that hump. It's okay. It's, yeah, right. It, it's still better than trying to figure stuff out on your own and just figure not not being able to do it, so you just throw the whole thing away. Like, Coming you to always, horribly racist conclusions. Yeah. Right, yeah. Oh, I was going to say, I, I always prefer when people come to me directly than when I find out, like, like from a, a mutual friend that someone was asking about me in some way. And exactly. I'm like, I, I would have just told them if they'd come to me directly. It's like, I you was don't here. have to be scared. Like yeah. I'm always happy to educate someone where they didn't know something before. And like, it's always the best to have a first, uh, what is that called? Like a first person, um, account. I don't know. First, like, first it, hand, first hand account. Yeah. There we go. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, all of that said, um, you can follow us on Twitter at the Final Podblum. We sure hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, you can go listen to the Weekly Watsonian, where our buddies Paul Thomas Miller from the last episode um, pitches his fake lies for one and all to hear, and our buddies Brad Kefauver and uh, Robert Parrott get on with their good selves. Um, you can follow us on. Uh, like our main podcast feed is at semi auto magi, and that's where all of our stuff is going right now. Um, we're releasing all of our bonus <laughs> content and bonus shows that we're not ready, uh, because people suddenly have a lot more time on their hands and they need things to listen to. And if that's the kind of help we can be in this world, we are happy to be so. So you can go listen to our Dungeons and Dragons program, Dice and Virtue. Uh, you can go listen to our Hey Arnold rewatch program, uh, the Gerald Field Report. You can go listen to our Kids on Bikes tabletop adventure, uh, <laughs> Peculiar Objects got there. And this hasn't premiered yet, but it's coming up soon. Yes! You can go listen to Squirrel our Girl. unbeatable Squirrel Girl read-through, Squirrel Scouts of America. It's very good. Choose your Squirrel Scout name now. <laughs> Trust me. I'm, the, the spots are filling up fast. So you can do all that. Um, if you really want to, you can go to our Patreon and you can throw us like a buck a month. We'd appreciate it. If you want to throw us more, we would appreciate it. That used to get you secret access to this stuff, but nothing means anything anymore, including time, money, <laughs> or be real. pizza. Did money so ever really mean anything? But um, we would love to it's, hear from it's, you. It's kind of imaginary. Did it? Was it always <laughs> just a social construct used to exert influence <laughs> and leverage over lower people? Anyway, um. Be kind to yourselves. Be kind to each other. Let us know uh, what things we were wrong about I, in this episode. Yes. Normally, any, we don't care any for correction. You want to make about this but story, like, anyone remember the Jeremy Brown episode better? Anybody have any historical info to add? We would love to hear do. it. I love learning about Feel things free to I did not us. know about before, related to Sherlock Holmes or otherwise. Yes. 
Until next time, be kind to yourselves, be kind to each other, take care of each other, and we'll see you next time, all our buddies. Bye. Yes, till next time. Bye. Yes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> do, 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 Okay. Um. <laughs> Freeze your crane, motherfucker, with your right. air violin. Oh man. I'm very excited. We're uh we're gonna start Fraser Fest twenty twenty. We haven't done a run through in what? some time. What? Yeah, I will join some, you. Uh, I know. <laughs> I love yes, Fraser. Please do. All okay, right. uh we're gonna tweet. We have to we have to tweet at least once per episode. Those are the okay. rules. Okay. We have to tweet about it at least once per episode, hashtag Fraser Fest twenty twenty. Okay, okay, I can do that. I can totally join do us, that. listeners. Alright. Alright. <clears throat> I, for my part, am old CW, the wobble you of trouble you, and also filled with regret for the intro jokes. Um, and joining me here, that was... <laughs> I, for my part... I, for my part... Nicholas! <laughs> <laughs>